0: All right, we'll make, we'll make our way here to Philippians 3. Um, you know, actually, I just, uh, I'll just have us stand up here. Uh, uh, out of reverence for God's word, if you're able to, could you stand as we read our, our scripture for today? Uh, Philippians 3, this is verses uh, 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have uh, have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks that he has reason for the confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, uh, my wife, Stacy, is wonderful. Um, when we uh, when we uh, met, when we were dating, she happened to uh, live in um, in Chicago, in a, in a uh, a neighborhood of Chicago. Um, in an intentional community, like in a, in a house, intentional community there. In uh, I think it was in Lawndale. I always get it wrong, uh, but it was Lawndale. And so it was. Um, it was wonderful. It was just off the. Uh, if you're you know looking at the CTA map, it was right off the uh, uh, the Central Park uh, stop of the Pink Line of the L in Chicago. So she was kind of right there, and it was great. She was becoming a teacher. Uh, she taught for years in the Chicago public. Uh, public school system, uh, just wonderful uh, things there. But when I would go out and visit uh, a a kid who grew up in Nebraska, uh, we didn't have uh, a passenger train, we didn't have, uh, you know, neighborhoods like that. So it was a very different thing. Um, uh, so, but it was wonderful. I love it. I love Chicago. We love Chicago. Um, but we would go there and, uh, you, know, we'd go there and you know, if we go on a date or we would go, you know, just kind of anywhere basically, uh, you, get on, you get on the CTA, you get on the L and you, and you go ride the train and then you get done. So since it's elevated, you go up and you, um, and, and, and you get off on this stop here and, uh, and then you would go down the stairs or whatever and then we go under the tracks and then right, it was either right there, or I think there was another set of tracks, there, there was this like house Right, so we get off, and, and I'm like, oh, this is great, you know, I'm in big city, you know, this is great, and I'm just all distracted, and they go under the, under the train, there's this house that had this, like, lot, and, and it had a, a chain link fence around it, um, so a couple things are weird there, like, in Chicago, there's no room, and so just the fact that they had this, like, extra lot, I was like, what's going on here, but then they had a chain link fence, which was also super weird, um, and, uh, uh, the bigger thing, though, is that they had, like, these three Rottweilers, and they were, um, they were very Rottweilery. y They were wa- Rottweilerish, ish or whatever. They were super mean and loud. That's what they were. Uh, and so you come around, so you're kind of like blindsided. And I just remember every time we like be talking about blah, 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 you know, and then all of a sudden, rah, rah, these, these dogs come, I scream like a little girl. And I had to learn this is going to happen every time. But these dogs, they come up and they just freak me out. And I mean, if you've ever been, you know, with a dog, you know, right there uh, in your face, uh, I mean, they just bark at, like, this is security. You don't belong here do not come closer, you do not, uh, you, you, you are not in, you are not one of us, you are not safe, stay out, you don't belong. Well, today, we have a wonderful word from Paul. Verse 2 says, look out for the dogs, uh, that's so wonderful, uh, oh there, <laughs> if I would have just read that, no, I think that he means something here, this experience that I've had, it means something very serious for us. Uh, today. Uh, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So what are these dogs? I want to figure out what are these dogs he's talking about. There's a weird way to talk about people. I think these dogs he's talking about aren't just saying these people are worthless. I think that might be one of the ways that we, we think about these dogs, but these dogs are more like my Chicago Rottweilers who bark at me and let me know you don't belong here. You're not in. Because what we read in this text is these dogs require a whole lot of stuff. These, these dogs, they require us to be something more than what we are. They require us to meet a certain standard before we're let in, before we're in the circle of trust. These dogs remind us always that we don't belong here. And so I want to look at this, this text here. So we're going we're to gonna kind of stand out here and try to make it very simple, very clear, just way through this text but I do want to dig into some of the stuff that's happening here because Paul is writing to the Philippians who think about this. And, and it means something for us to understand what he says to them rather than just beware of people who are saying you don't belong. Uh, I want to get into this a little bit more because it has a very wonderful, challenging message for us today. Uh, and, and Christ is at the very center of this, uh, of how we can live uh, not, 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 not being tossed back and forth. By anything that these dogs say to us let's read this verse 2 look out for the dogs look out for the evildoers look out for those who mutilate the flesh now to our 21st century united statesian ears that sounds kind of weird like that's not language that we ever use really ever um and if we do it's always weird and creepy and like i just hate the language that he uses here who are these dogs who are these evildoers who are these mutilators of the flesh that sounds like so gross so where's paul going with this well, let's read on, because I think we'll have an answer if he's saying this. He'll tell us why, and he says, okay, verse 3, then he goes on. He says, for we are the circumcision. Okay, so this just got weirder. Like, it's not helpful. Uh, what's happening here? Why do we lead off with this? Okay, so I'm making a point here, and this point is, when we read the Bible, I like, don't just read it and go over it. Like, what I could say is, Paul seems very passionate. Let's read the rest of this. He means something here. There's, there's content here. When, it's just, when you find something that's striking in the Bible. Just pause and take a look at what it's saying here. What are we talking about? Why is this answer? Look out for the dogs. Why is the answer? Because we're the circumcision. That's so weird. There is an issue happening here. There is something that's going on that really highlights not simply the dogs or the circumcision. It highlights something that's a common thread between them and us. It's this idea of righteousness. Where's your righteousness coming from? That's going to be the big question. Where is your righteousness coming from? Which righteousness are you seeking? How are you striving to be in? What are you defining as gain? That is the purpose of this text. Those those are the questions that Paul has for us today in this text. So we get to this part. We are the circumcision. Now we have a lot of medical professionals here. and So you can ask them. I would do uh, raise your hands. You can ask them if you want to know more details on the medical side of that. That was amazing. Yes, we've got someone. Anyone help him out? So that was, I'm going to keep moving along here. I've got some red flags going off. Uh, uh, So the Judaizers, that's what was going on. The Judaizers, the the circumcision is this idea that is an Old Testament practice that Jews held. So in the Old Testament, basically this is it, is a physical thing that happens to Jewish boys. And when that happens to Jewish boys, uh, this is the law back here in the Old Testament, they're part, of the, they're part of the group. They're part of the people of God. They are part of the righteous people of God. By doing this thing, they now are welcomed in. They're no longer barked at by the Pharisees saying, hey, you got to do more. You got to be more. They've done it eight days in. That's pretty good. And now you're part of the people of God. And the people of God, this is a big thing, because it's not just like, hey, the Jews are great. Uh, the Israels are wonderful. Like, the reason why people believe the Jews and Israel are so fantastic is because the Bible says God chose these people, and they are the righteous people of God. This is a big deal. What's the opposite of righteous? Wicked. Either you're in or you're out. It's a big deal. So these Judaizers what they understand, they don't understand Christ, but they do understand the Old Testament, and they're pushing this on people. So why is Paul saying this to the Philippians? Because they're trying to figure out, okay, I believe in Christ, now do I have to do more? Why am I reading this with passion like Paul is presenting it to the Philippians to you guys today? Because some of you have found Christ, and you're wondering, do I need to do more? It's the same thing that we've got going on, and some of you maybe haven't found Christ, but you're stuck in a way of doing more. You think that by going to church more, somehow Christ will like you more. He already loves you a whole awful lot. There's something different here. So we're not really talking about Judaizers. We're not really talking about circumcision. We're not really talking about what we do specifically. We're talking about these dogs, and these dogs are barking. They're saying, have confidence in the flesh. Do more. Be more achieve. Seek our approval. I'm trusting that you can identify with this a little bit Um, because we experience that. We experience that all the time. Which righteousness are you seeking? I was really, really wonderful. I was talking with the, with the pastors about this a bit. And a question came up. Actually, Pastor Thomas brought it up. And he said, this righteousness, like, you get this idea. It's in here. It's in this text. Circumcision to gets you into this righteous people. Um, the, uh, that's a really weird word. People don't walk around saying that too often. That's a super churchy word. What does this mean? Righteousness, he goes on, he, he went on to say, he says, I think righteousness makes you significant. It makes you part of the in group this idea of righteousness. If we, if we take this righteousness somewhere else, you know, uh, to, uh, um, I don't know to academics, to, um, to health, uh, to, to beauty, we want to seek righteousness on different terms, maybe not on God's terms, but on different terms, because we want to be in, we want to be seen as right, we want to be seen as though we belong. Those dogs that are barking at us, be more beautiful, don't have blemishes, be fitter, lose a couple more pounds, tighten up. Like, those are the dogs that are barking at us. And until we pass their test and we're trusted by them or we're just approved, is really what it is, by them, we're not going to make it there. I'm making a a really big deal about this first point because what we need to do, Paul, is you've read it on the screen, name your dogs. We need to figure out who our dogs are. We will never understand uh, the way forward if we don't understand who's barking at us. Now, there's a, uh, um, uh, Jamie Schrader, he kind of kicked out a book to me here. I've read some blogs on it. I will confidently tell you what I think about this book because I've skimmed it and read like three pages of it, but there's something beautiful that I read in it, so I'm going to act like I know everything about this book. It's called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You by Tony Ranke. Beautiful book, wonderful book. I'd, I'd encourage you to read it. I'm taking my own advice, and I'm actually going to be encouraged to read it now as well um, in front of you uh, here. So one of the things this guy's talking about is he's, he's talking about these dogs. I think this is going to be my big easy one, not because I'm a pastor who all pastors love to hate on Facebook, but ugh, there's something about that. Um, but there are many other ways that we can hear dogs, and I'm just going to go with a very easy one, which is social media. There's something about social media that is barking at us an identity. Be more, do more, tighten up, achieve, seek approval. And I, and I think Tony Reinke says this more magnificently. In a chapter he calls, we crave immediate approval. The dogs want us to seek approval. And that's what Paul's saying here. Okay, so here it is. I'm going to read it. For the second time uh, I've ever read it. No, the the sad truth is that many of us are addicted to our phones because we crave immediate approval and affirmation. We fear, we feel in our hearts when we are engaged online. Uh, The fear we feel in our hearts when we are engaged online is the impulse that drives our highly selective self-representation, which means we want to be loved and accepted by others. So we wash away or edit our scars and our defects. We put this scrub down presentation of ourselves online. We tabulate the human approval in a commodity of index of likes of, sh- of likes and shares. We post an image. Then we watch the immediate response. We refresh. We watch the stats climb or stall. We guide the immediate responses uh, from or we gauge the immediate responses from friends, family members and strangers. Did we post uh, did the post uh, gain the immediate approval of others? We know within minutes, and this isn't limited only to our secular lives, even the promise of religious approval and the affirmation of other Christians is a gravitational pull that draws us toward our phones. He's identifying right here. You have this draw. You want approval. You want this approval. The dogs want you to want this approval. Uh, and there, there is much literature about why this is how we do it and how a lot of people make a whole lot of money on praying on us and our need for approval. I think what he's saying here is spot on. We want this approval. And now he's saying it draws us toward our phones, but I mean, you can say the same thing. It draws us to our desk. It draws us to refreshing our emails to make sure we get all of those approval emails back. It drives us to the gym. It drives us to wherever it might be because we want that approval. And that's exactly what these dogs are barking. These dogs are barking do more. Be better. Because until you do that, you don't belong here. Well, that's not what we hear Christ saying. And see, that's what Paul is identifying here. He's saying that thing that the dog is barking is called confidence in the flesh. That's how we hear it. We finally made it to the end of verse 3. We worship by the Spirit of God glory and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He says, don't listen to it though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. So I want to I pause here before we move to, to, the, to the next point here. Like You've got to name your dogs. Who is that? Because those dogs are going to be telling you things that aren't true. And I think it's like insane. That's a really... We, forgive me, it's a kind of it's a weird illustration, but like, you're not going like, to cut your hand and say, I need some help. Like, it's wounded. And then just jam your hand in a bucket full of piranhas, right? You're not going to do it. It's insane. So what Paul is saying here is, like, why would you do that with your heart? Like, why would you take your heart and stick it in a bucket full of lies and hope it fixes it? He says, don't listen to the dogs. The dogs are telling you things that are not true. They are giving you confidence in what they want. Okay, I've hit that point a lot. I think we have space now to hear why, because that's the big question I ask. Don't look out for the dogs, why? We can give up on the dogs. We can say, I want to do this. I'm not quite sure why yet he'll get there, but the problem is, okay, if if right now you're saying, yeah, I'm gonna do this, this is a rally cry, I'm giving up on that, I just deleted Facebook. Uh, I'm not sure if that's exactly what I told you to do, but kudos. he says, if we say, I, I, I hear you, Josh. I hear what you're saying. I hear you, Paul. I hear what you're saying. Problem is, I don't know if you just said that. I, I, I got a whole history with me. I've been listening to the docs. I got something that I got to work through here. I've been chugging this whole baggage with me, right? So what do we do with that? I'm building something. So what is Paul's solution to this? Uh, it's our next point. You can change it. Uh, his suggestion is that we shred our resume. Uh, and so is Paul, basically what he says is, I have no confidence in the flesh, or I have confidence in the flesh, but I've thrown it all away because I consider the world's gain as loss. Let's read what he says here. Verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So well, he says, I I I've, I've got this resume here. I've got something better than you. If anyone is confident in the righteous in their righteous resume, I've got one that's way better. And I'm just going to set it right here on this pedestal and we're all going to examine it together. And that's exactly what he's doing in the next few verses. He puts it up here and he says, and I'll kind of translate it because he uses language that is very distinct to them. If anyone thinks that he has a reason, this is verse four, uh, that he has reason for covenant in the flesh, I have more. And then we continue on. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. So what he's saying is, I was born to law, a law-abiding family. I was born of Israel, the righteous people, and they followed the law by circumcising me on the eighth day. And so they were a law-abiding family. We were in good standing. But it wasn't just that we were in good standing. I was also born of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, I was born to the best tribe from the best people. So that's who he is. And he's basically just saying, if, if you guys want to look at it, I haven't pulled the resume out quite yet. I was born better than you. I, that's what he's saying. I'm like, whoa, easy there, Paul. But he's making a point. I am amazing. But that's, what, that's who he is. Now what has he done? He then goes into it. He says, as to the law, a Pharisee. So what he's saying is a a Pharisee is basically like an expert lawyer and an expert pastor. So he's the lawyer-pastor. Like, man, that's intense. Uh, That's intense. He's that. I was a Pharisee, and he's a really good Pharisee, too. I knew everything about this. I knew your Bible better than you knew anything. I knew, and and, and I could dictate your laws from the Bible. I had everything. I had your law. I had your faith. Everything was there. I was that. As to the law, a Pharisee, a lawyer-pastor. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, because when Christ came, people got really confused. What's this all about? Uh, Do we get rid of uh, the Bible? Do we get rid of the Old Testament? Do we get rid of our scriptures? How's this going? And he said, you know what? This Jesus guy is ridiculous. He's messing the whole thing up. This has got to be some weird idea, and so he got to work, and in his best knowledge of only the Old Testament, not thinking of Christ, he said, hey, this thing's got to go. There is a threat to the church, to the people of God. We got to get them out, so he went, and he persecuted and killed Christians until Acts 9, and then we get this guy. As to, righteous, as to righteousness under the law, I was, there he goes, it just finishes it, finishes it there, I was blameless. So I was born better than you, but now I'll pull out my resume, so we'll look at the law, we'll look at my zeal, and we'll look at my righteousness. I'm amazing, and I'm quite possibly the best, and I think you could arguably say, Yeah. And then, what I love, the exchange. Verse 7, but whatever I gain, uh, about whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. But all of that doesn't matter. All of those Facebook refreshing don't matter. All of your followers don't matter. All of your positive job reviews don't matter. All of your wonderful houses don't matter when we compare it to the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. That's incredible. That's incredible, but, uh, 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 but I feel like it, it doesn't have teeth. Like, it, it's just kind of one of those things that Christians say. Like, it's just rubbish. Okay, how do I conceptualize that? How do I, how do I even think about that? Um, so, uh, maybe one way of doing this, uh, of helping us in this, is uh, You wouldn't get this, especially if you, uh, uh, from me, you wouldn't maybe know that I was uh, a a decently avid golfer growing up, especially if you're uh, Eric Baumgarth and and Matt uh, Eckert, who have golfed with me, and I I literally almost killed James on a shank shot. I am, I'm so sorry, man. Uh, The, uh, uh, just terrible. Uh, But when I grew up in high school, I worked for several years at a a country club, uh, and uh, did like the bag boy, it was like Caddyshack, but with carts, but way, better than that, shouldn't have gone there, um, and then I went to uh, another municipal course, another municipal course, I think it was like five, seven years of my life, I've worked at a golf course, like I knew golf, and followed it, and golf all the time, and, and that was just a big thing for me, um, and, uh, and it, was, it was everything, so then all of a sudden I'm in college when I'm working at this last, you know, this last place where I'm, I'm working as a, you know, at the golf course, and, uh, and it's kind of where this, you know, pastoral call or whatever it would be uh, is there. And so then I go to apply. You know, like, I want to do an internship here or there. And I'm putting together my resume. And I'm like, all right, I want to be a pastor. I, I golf a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bubba Watson's a Christian. Maybe that'll get me in. I don't know. It is it's worthless. My resume at that point was worthless. As I, as, as I turn it in, not because it's like, eh, you got to be better than that to be a Christian. That's not what it was. Everything that I had done at that point at the entrance into something new, as a direction of where I needed to go and where I felt I was being called, I realized you might just have to figure something else out because uh, washing golf clubs doesn't really do it. Um, It was worthless, and it's that kind of a consideration that Paul is having here. He's saying, yeah, maybe I was born better than you. Maybe I did stuff that was way better than you. Maybe I am actually just better than you, and that's kind of putting that up there as an example, not because he's a arrogant, he's not, but he's pretty confident in it. But he's saying, but then Jesus shows up. Acts 9, and he says, he looks to me, and he says, what are, what are you doing, man? Like, you, you're killing Christians. He's just walking away. If you follow the book of Acts, Acts 7, Stephen, an apostle, he's He's proclaiming Jesus, like very clearly, saying the beautiful, wonderful hope that is in Jesus, the very real, true, lasting hope that is in Jesus. He's telling people who this is, and he's doing that as he's being killed. And then the chapter ends, and Saul, Paul, who's writing this, was standing there approving the whole thing. Literally standing there, watching this guy get murdered as he's screaming, Jesus is your answer. It's not a story. It's reality. He was there. And a couple chapters later then Jesus says, yeah, okay, so this worthless thing. Your work is for nothing. What are you doing? This doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. I'm here. I'm real. And if I'm here and I'm real, it's okay to count everything you've done as worthless. Because I've got something better. I've got something good and lasting. Your paycheck may or may not go there. I know, I, know, I know someone who's, I know someone I know, here in the last few years making tons of money, traveling all over, doing a high-profile job, has a heart attack, the whole thing's gone. Some of you people know this person. It can go. We know people. It can go like that. It was literally one week, boom, the whole thing was done. It can go. Your Facebook can turn south quickly don't believe me? Just like get on and see any kind of po- politician that's being thrown in court now. And go back to 30, 40 years worth of things that you maybe slightly thought about and now you're guilty for it. If we let the dogs bark and we listen to them, man, do more, be more. And it's not simply you, 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 you haven't arrived, it's you will never arrive. Continue doing more and being more shred your resume. What is that thing that you are putting confidence in? What do you labor for? What is that thing that you finally, at the end of the week, you could sleep and you rest? You have this joy that's outside of Christ, but, 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 but when you get that approval, oh, there we go. We can go again. It's not in Christ. It's something else. I have this. I mean, there are many times that I walk away from this pulpit and I think, yeah, that'll, that'll preach. That's good. That was good, and I find joy in the sermon. Not in the Christ of the sermon, but I'll find joy in the preaching of it. I mean, that's an honest confession with you. There are days where I feel like it doesn't go well, Um, and my wife can attest to it. Man, it just knocks me off the horse. And oftentimes, it's not because, oh, maybe I marred the name of Christ. It's because maybe people think I'm not as cool as I thought I was. Those kind of things. And I just open myself up, as Paul does there, to consider yourself and where you would be on those things. This sounds great. Paul has such great wording. I count it as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ, and I think it's just such a great thing to say. I think it's such a good Christian thing to say, kind of like righteousness, but who seriously talks that way? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I read this. I mean, let's go here. Verse 7 and 8. But whatever I gained, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I'm not done. I'm going I'm to continue this. For, the sake, uh, for his sake, I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Like, that is a great Christian thing to say and I would love it if I just have it like, you know, we have that on our mirror in our bathroom and every morning I just say that and like, ah, oh, this is my charge. i have counted it all as rubbish, God. And it's great, but I like, I mean, I don't know. I'm a human. Uh, I'm not just like dumb reading this and saying this is my rally cry. Like I read this and I'm like, come on, seriously, dude. Like you're too super christian This is so gross. Like this is what Christians say I'm just going to count it as nothing. Like it's just this mental gymnastics of saying everything I've done, just think Jesus is better. That's not helpful. It's really not helpful. It's kind of abusive for me to say that to you today. It's like, hey, everything you're doing, just stop it. Love God more. Like I feel like that's just ridiculous. Why then? I ask this question. Why do I look out for the dogs? Because they're speaking untruth to you. And God desires truth for you. That's why we don't listen to the dogs. That's why we look out for them. But why do we need to know this truth? Because we need Christ. He is that truth. Why can I shred my resume and my past reputation of this world around me? We could continue pursuing it, but it's not that thing that defines us. Why can I live that way? Because Christ is bigger and better. That's what Paul is saying here. Okay, let's read, uh, uh, no, where, where is it at here? We're in this, this passage right here in verses 7 and 8. There's, uh, there's, there's this wonderful uh, uh, um, a Christian in, in the past, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm losing him here, uh, Thomas Chalmers. Thomas Chalmers, he wrote this essay called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. I've referenced this several times over the last few months. Expulsive power of a new affection, obviously, he was older and wrote with way smarter words. Um, the new affection. What is this new affection? A new feeling, a new passion, a new, a new posture toward something new. And that newness has an expulsive power. It kicks out old powers that were there. So I used to have loves for this addiction, that addiction, this lifestyle, that lifestyle, but rather than the dog saying, stop doing those things, now do those things, stop doing those things, now do those things, this expulsive power, this new affection, when we love God, we we listen to Christ, and instead of hearing all of the requirements of what they were saying and what they continually try to say, we shift over and our love is in Christ and we hear what he says, and what does he say? He doesn't say, stop doing this, do this. He says, abide in me. This new way of being then produces fruit. This expulsive power of a new affection. If you're trying to to, to conquer some kind of addiction or some kind of recurring sin in your life, which I'll be honest, as a pastor, I know that's everybody in this room. Uh, So we're doing that. We have something. Everybody's got their thing that we struggle with. Just telling yourself, God, I'm not going to do that. And then walking around all day, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Is really uh, the dogs just heaping guilt on you. What's better is to abide in Christ and produce fruit. There's a productivity. We could live in lives of fear where the dogs bark and we sit there defeated all the time wondering, when will I fail, fail again? And that's a horrible trajectory. But then there's a different way, and it's the way of Christ. And Christ says, come, be with me, journey with me every day. That's a very different thing. And, it, and it's not just a way of rephrasing this. This is really here in the text. Because what does Paul say here? He says, I have suffered the loss. I count everything as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ, that's a great one. In order that I may gain Christ. And what does this gaining mean? Now, you can, you know, just kind of circle or whatever it is. Uh, there are three things that he says it means. Uh, it be found in him, so I gain Christ, that I, uh, what is it, in verse 10, he says that I know Christ, and then again in, in verse 10, he says that I share in Christ's sufferings. He said, that's what I'm going to do. That's different. That's different than what the dogs are saying. That I may gain Christ, that I may know Christ, that I may share Christ's suffering. So, this gaining Christ, this taps into this idea of of righteousness. He circles back around here, and he's going to bring righteousness right up to the surface here. In order that I may gain Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse nine is the anchor of the entire text. This is the point. This is, this is where he's driving. Uh, that I be found in him. So this idea of gaining Christ. So uh, if we listen to the dogs, what we could say is, hey, Ah, I'm a sinner. I do these things or whatever. I have these these desires, these things that I really like to do that I know yeah, are questionable. I'm not sure if I should watch these things or love these shows or, or do these events or drink these things. And that's kind of a thing that we have. But then we go and we gain Christ because we go to church and then we just pick them up and we put them in our pocket for our Jesus time and then we, and we continue on. I feel like you could say the gaining of Christ is that now I have also got the brand of Christian and now we can kind of have a new association with different people and now we can kind of do different things, maybe similar things, maybe less in intense things than others, and now I'm just kind of shifted slightly. God doesn't want you to shift slightly when you become a Christian. You you die, and you're born again. It's a complete renewal. The gaining of Christ, just read on. I'm not making this up. It's just the words that are right here, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. It's not that God, uh, Christ is that, that guy that you go see and think about on the special services. It's not the guy that's in your pocket. It's not the guy that you interact with here. It's that you are physically in him is the language. And if you're physically in him, you can't be separated from him. You know him, and that's wonderful. I, English language is so woefully deplete. It's, oh, it's awful. But here, there's language here. Uh, Spanish, that's a great one. Uh, that knowing Christ. He's talking about knowing Christ. Uh, so there's a way that you could say knowing Christ. Uh, you can sabiendo Christ. You can know the facts of Christ. I know that Jesus is the second person, the Son of God. He is both man, both, both uh, fully man, fully human, or fully human, fully God. He has all of these things. I know all of these facts about Jesus Christ, and many of us know those facts. Or you can know Christ, conociendo Christ. Knowing Christ, I know him, I experientially know who Jesus Christ is. Is if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, I'll say it a different way. Uh, uh, You 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 can know things about Frodo. Okay, now I'm going to be embarrassing here. Uh, That uh, I mean, he's the the ring bearer. You know, he 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 goes that way. Uh, I think he's he's related to Bilbo. This is just such a bad example here. Uh, He goes on a journey. He lives in the Shire. He lives in a hobbit hole. He does things. Okay, so that's just awful. Now all of you Lord of the Rings fans like shun me. We know about him. I kind of know about him. I don't know as much as I should, but I know about him. That's sabiendo Frodo. That's knowing some stuff about him. Or you could be like Samwise Gamgee and you could take the journey with him every day. Through thick and thin, through good and bad, our friends may die. We may fight some orcs. I didn't know that. Uh, We may go to the fire of Mordor. We may fly on eagles. We're going to see some crazy stuff, but I'm with you through thick or thin. That's how we know Jesus Christ. That's the word in the Greek that is being used of knowing Christ here. That you know him experientially every day. He is your daily bread for the wilderness journey. And you take him and you receive him and you eat him and you are there and you are with him. And I don't know how many times when I've listened to the dogs, any of them have really helped me go to the journey with Christ. So I think that maybe just be a practical first step. Do you journey with Christ? If Christ is on my journey, I mean, just, it doesn't take a lot of imagination. Uh, uh, you know, people used to do this with a WWJD bracelet. It's the same kind of idea. Christ is there. Something to remind me that Christ is here. I am journeying with Christ. I am with Christ, and this is something that is, I'm a new person, and and, and there's something different about this, And, and I need to, I need Christ because, man, the dogs are really attractive, and they pay well, and they're beautiful, and they're whatever. It's hard to not listen to beautiful, rich dogs, especially when they're somewhat dangling it out as an offer, or they're barking at you, do more, be more, do more, be more. And then you've got Christ who says, I'm here with you forever to the end. That's a different thing. That is lasting. That is something very different. And then as he's there... We find the righteousness in there. This is what some theologians call the great exchange. That Christ was here uh, uh, and, uh, and Paul kind of uses this language to, 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 con- or to defeat this idea of righteousness through circumcision. Uh, in Galatians 3, Paul uh, develops this. He says, Christ, loved you so much that he was born perfect and he lived a perfect life. He was a sinless, spotless lamb and he lived that way. And so he was Righteous, like he could actually be called righteous. But we are born with Adam. We are in union with Adam. We are born sinners and we live sinful lives. And then this great exchange happens. He says in Galatians 3, he says, And then Jesus became a curse for us. He took on all of that to himself and then he died. And then when we express faith saying, I am shameful, I believe in you for the forgiveness. He puts that righteousness on us. Our shame for his righteousness, that's the exchange that happens here. What is gain? What is loss? The big thing that I want you to take home today is that Paul is calling us to redefine what gain is. I would, have, if you have a, write that and ask yourself that multiple times this week. What is gain? What is my gain? How am I defining that? Because that sets the trajectory. What is the good life? What is my end? for Paul that Christ be glorified be made much of the dogs will bark stay out Christ says abide with me and if we have that perspective that one that is higher and wider view of the kingdom a higher and wider view of Christ we will be able to then we get to these last couple verses we will be able to share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and we will be able to do it, first verse that we read today, we will be able to do it with joy. How does Paul sit in jail and talk about so much joy? Because he has tapped into something that is real and lasting, that has been an expulsive power and pushed out what all the guards, what all the Roman citizens, what all the Roman uh, rulers are saying to him. He's pushed that out because he knows the biggest thing that he is to do is to charge ahead for the gospel, for the glory of Christ, that Christ saves sinners. So regarding righteousness, what are you hoping for? What makes you in? How do you understand that? Regarding confidence in the flesh, where are you most encouraged when you receive approval? Regarding the surpassing worth of Christ, can you continue with joy even when encouragement doesn't come? So, name your dogs. Shred your resume. Confide in Christ. And I encourage you to do this each and every day. Jesus gives us a prayer that we're about to pray. He gives us the prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And it is a prayer for the pilgrim. It is a prayer for those who are journeying on the way. It is a prayer that reminds us that this is a long haul kind of a thing. That this is much higher and wider than we ever imagined. And that there are dogs along the way that are going to lead us into temptation. There are dogs along the way that we will listen to and we will need to be delivered from evil. But there is a God who is with us, who is that source, who can carry us through the day and he is our daily bread. He is Jesus Christ. So, the thrust of this, uh, of this passage here for us today. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Confide in Christ. Consider the surpassing worth of knowing Christ over whatever the world promotes as gain. Let's pray.